0: No, absolutely. Thank you, Vlad and and everyone. Welcome to the Manufacturing Hub with me, Dave, and this guy over here, Vlad. We've somehow managed to make it to episode 30. Thank you for everyone other than our mothers that have watched and listened to this. Uh, We have a very special guest, uh, Francisco Carrion of Automation Solutions Ecuador. And as Vlad was mentioning, I feel like it's only appropriate that he comes on this week of the, the week of the Ignition Community Conference, because he and I actually met at the ICC conference as panel members. I think it was it was three years ago. And so we'll absolutely talk about that. But without me blabbering on anymore, Francisco, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Black, for, for inviting me.
1: No, thank you. Thank you absolutely for joining us, Francisco. And I, you know, I've alluded a little bit to your background, but I want to dig in a little bit more on how you got started in automation, manufacturing. And, you know, as we progress, like I want to learn how did you get to where you're at, which is running your own business and your own company, both like on the technical side and on the business side. So could you give us a little bit maybe background information about yourself?
2: Sure. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm 43 currently, <laughs> so and I started pretty young. I started when I was uh, basically 18 years old because for for uh, for uh, uh, you know um, uh, uh, I was an exchange student in the U.S. actually, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know I was already graduated in my in my in my country when I went over there. So I took a a, a couple of classes that you know. Uh, that interested me back at the time. You know, we're talking about the 90s, so the computers were pretty, pretty not in the manufacturing floor yet. Um, so I learned some, some AutoCAD, basically. And when I came back to my country, I, I had the chance to start working uh, uh, in, a, in a systems, systems integrator uh, who needed blueprints, basically. you know, Someone that draws uh, the, the electrical blueprints and stuff. And coincidentally, um, during that summer, when I came back and I, and I had this summer job, uh, one of the first uh, projects for that company that involved uh, HMI uh, in software <laughs> uh, uh, came in. And, and to tell you the truth, uh, it, back at that time, you know, it sounds kind of silly nowadays, but uh, the, the electronic engineers didn't know how to install Windows 95. It was a, uh, a big challenge basically, right? And uh, so I, I was always a little bit of a computer geek. Um, so I, I jumped into it. I started working with, uh, back at that time, I think it was it was Wonder in Touch, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, version five. I think one of the earliest ones. And um, so we made that project. I really loved the the, the, the results. Uh, and I started my career basically in college. So I, I worked. At the same time that I was studying, um, then I, I got graduated. I kept working for this company. I worked for seven years, uh, and then I suddenly decided that that wasn't my thing, and I switched to to uh, an Israeli company uh, that uh, that uh, it, it still does like value added platforms for uh, uh, for, uh, cell, for cell for companies basically. Right? Mm-hmm. So then I discovered all the databases uh, approach and, and all the communication side. And I was like, hmm, this is also interesting. So when I came, uh, I, I lasted for a couple of years in that company and, I, and then I came back for, uh, to, uh, to, to zero basically and to say, what do I do? And I decided to start my own company. And, um, and uh, along with my brother-in-law, which is my, my, uh, my partner nowadays, uh, we started the company, uh, and it's been 17 years since that, since then. We have uh, we started the, the the three of us. Um, nowadays, we're 30 people basically in the company, and uh, and uh, we were always focused on this uh, kind of uh, merging data from the from the from the uh, manufacturing floor and take it upstairs you know mm-hmm. they used to teach i don't know if the us they do that but here in the in, in south america they teach you the the automation pyramid you know back in the in the day and uh, and you know it was like like the sensors uh, and then the controllers then the hmi and and it's it's funny because back back in those days you know each field turned to be a smaller <laughs> like mes which which was like the top of the pyramid it was the smallest portion of the pyramid and, uh, and, and nowadays I think they should, I, I hope they have changed that, you know, and it's not, uh, it, it's not like a pyramid anymore. It, it should, or, or if it is, it should be an, uh, uh, an upside down pyramid because, you know, the, the MES and all the connection to the, the rest of the company should be the, the greatest portion of it uh so we were always focused on that and 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 uh, we got a lot of know-how on 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 a couple of projects we did the problem it was you know the, the know-how was great the project turned out great but we did it for a couple of mu- multinational companies here in ecuador mm-hmm. uh and they had the budget to pay for the licensing so it was it was quite expensive it was uh, it was really 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 heavy on the on the on the project budget mm-hmm. so we came out of these two opportunities, we were really happy with the results, and we started offering, you know, doing historian, you know, plant history, uh, track and trace, and uh, I'm talking uh, year 2000, basically, between 2000 and 2004, and, uh, and um, you know, all, all the customers that we talked about this, they were like, that's great, that's exactly what we want, how much it costs. Mm. and we said it and they said okay thank you very much <laughs> come back when it <laughs> when it's feasible right and, and um, so we had to do what most integrators do which is focus on the on the on the plant floor for many years you know doing uh, making panels building panels designing uh, uh doing wiring we still do but uh, uh but then in 2013 we started working with ignition uh mm-hmm. for with this, we were presented uh, with the product and we discovered that that was the platform that actually uh, was going to allow us to to take all this know-how that we had and we couldn't sell basically um, uh, uh, to turn these kind of projects feasible and since then we have been doing a lot of OEE we have been doing a lot of track and trace we have been doing a lot of um, like uh, the, the I think one of the most feared things uh, on control systems is um being able to you know interact with the erps and interact with with the it level mm-hmm. uh sure. um the softwares and we have been doing that for almost 12 years you know so for us it's kind of like a, an everyday thing uh and, and in that sense also you know the platform that you use is that uh, it's going to be uh, really important and how it turns out uh was price how- point
1: like the major I guess, factor based on you know like what you saw or was it the industry that was trying to also shift and get a lot more of that data? I'm, I'm just curious like on that perspective right as to why up to 2013 uh, you were focused a lot more on the plant floor, right receiving those no's from the end users. And then 2013, where you've learned Ignition and started to uh, deploy that software, it made a lot more sense for them. Was it only price or were there other benefits that you think
2: uh i think it's a it's many actually it's a lot of benefits but uh, the problem is that when you don't have those benefits they all turn out on price you know mm-hmm. what i mean because for example okay let's do licensing on one side you know that's that's just a product that's 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 a price uh, in, inherent to the project but mm-hmm. the problem is that if you have a, a platform that doesn't help you as an integrator to to uh, you actually grab and add value to, to whatever you're doing on, on it for the customer uh it take for example something as simple as connecting to a database mm-hmm. you know if you take any of the traditional SCADAS, uh, if you want to do a, a simple insert sometimes you have to go out to a VBA scripting uh, sometimes you have to go on uh, to a, some sort of of, of c sharp uh hybrid script you know And uh, and, and it takes time, so your engineering hours increase, and of course, the cost of the project increase, and and also the the delivery time increase, so if you have a platform that helps you to reduce all all that labor, you know, uh, because because it's easy uh, in the sense that that you don't have to to go into a, some kind of middleware like BBA, for example, you know, because it also takes away the the middleman. Because uh, you know, I think the three of us have have done this. Uh, I I saw a couple of smiles from Vlad there, so he know, he feels the pain. <laughs> and, and every time that you go to a database and uh, and, and you have like a BBA in the middle. Uh, you're actually getting out of the of the SCADA platform and getting into VBA and then you're opening the connection to the database. So it's kind of like, you know, back in the time when, when you had like relay panels uh, and, and one of the advantages of PLCs over relays is that you don't have so many points of error. Same, It's the same here. Uh, if, you, if you do it straight from the platform to the database, you you cut the, the 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 possibility of a, of an error in the middle. So uh, I think you know those are some of the factors. But you know it turns out that every increase uh, in technology, like for example, also being able to uh, uh, deliver to the customer to you, so you can place the data wherever they want. You know because one of the another one of the problems that we have on the on the on the platform uh, OT platforms is that. You can place data only usually on, 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 a, on, a, on a specific um, uh, a, a database engine, usually MS SQL Server, which is pretty good. I really like MS SQL Server, but it's not the only thing in the market. IT people and many customers, especially bigger customers, they have they have already invested in some other in some other um, IT platforms, you know, and, and database engines, Oracle uh mysql even uh, informix db2 whatever and 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 it's natural that they tell you you know i would like to have the data but i would have it on whatever i already invested in and 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 not having to create like an interface or anything like that so there's many 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 factors that that actually contributed uh, starting 2013 to be Mm -hmm. able to
0: deliver these kind of
2: projects in a budget and,
0: Mm -hmm. and make it happen Absolutely. And I'd just like to point out that, you know, 2013 was eight years ago, and it's not like just South. it's not like customers everywhere else in the world other than South America were in mass adoption mode of this. I feel like there are many customers, you know, that we go into every day in 2021, eight years later, who are still not even to the point of what Francisco and his group was trying to do 12, 13 years ago before they started to hit that adoption um, back eight years ago. So I think that Francisco likes to joke, he and I, that South America and what they're doing is five years behind what North America and we are doing. I'd like to let him know that they're at least eight years ahead of many customers that I work with on most days. (laughs) That's great to hear. And uh, and, uh, yeah, and actually, uh, you
2: know, when we met with Dave in ICC four years ago, uh, the first year that I went was in 2016, I believe, Mm -hmm. to, to this event. And, and actually, one of the best things that I, I took from that event is, uh, is that feeling, you know, because usually you think that this divorce between the OT and the IT happens only in Ecuador because we're a, we're a, a, a okay, I'm going to say third world country outlaw, you know, it, the, 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 the best term should be like a, a, a developing country, I believe, or something like that. But, you know, uh, you only think that that happens here you know because we we don't have the, the technology we don't uh, we're or we're behind mm-hmm. in, in technology and that kind of stuff but when i went to the icc for the first time i could see that the same uh, pain points that we have mm-hmm. in a, in the plant here in, in ecuador in south america uh the same thing was the complaint in the in in in, in the us and in <laughs> canada and in europe you know so yeah. it wasn't a matter of probably uh, budget mm-hmm. uh, i i think it it's a problem of the industry to tell Absolutely. you the truth because we have been used to be um, uh, kind of like like a black box you know mm-hmm. uh, expect, usually even in budget wise because you, you know who buys the scada the scada software is bought by the by people in in the project department mm-hmm. or in the maintenance department and the it people who is you know the entity that has all the budget to keep uh, updated and to keep it uh, and to keep it uh, with the latest technology mm-hmm. sometimes they never see it the SCADA system because they they didn't buy it. They look at something like really weird that you know it's part of a machine, so it's yep. not theirs. And, and that's why I always joke with, uh, about this with my customers when I walk into a, a plant and I and, and, and I always check the 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 you know the the, the receptionist's uh, 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 PC or, or or the computer she has or he has, <laughs> and, and it's always better than the one in the plant. Always. So it doesn't make sense, you know. So it's so basic that that both worlds, I mean, IT and OT collide because that's that's the only way that everything that's on the on the production floor uh, gets released. And as uh, and as uh, as I I talked today before, I use the term uh, being democratized because you have invested so many so much money down on the machines, on sensors, on on PLCs that it's. It's kind of uh, silly that you cannot distribute that
0: data all across the hierarchy of the, of a company. Absolutely. No, um, I, I I I I love what you're saying, Francisco. Um, and I think, I think it's time for, for a bit of a funny story. It is, as Vlad mentioned in the beginning, ICC week, Francisco and I, you know, it, it kind of revolves in our, in our life. And so three or four years ago, Francisco and I were on the integrator panel together. And so we sat down and he, he and I met the first time and there were four or five of us. And so he and I were talking and I told him how we are very nomadic and we travel around and we can work from everywhere. And I I see this look on his face. He's like, who is this strange person who just travels around and doesn't have to go to the office? And so Francisco and I reconnected a little over a year ago um, and we were talking and I was asking, you know, how it's going with the lockdowns. And Francisco, do do you want to kind of like tell the story of how quickly, like from the point of, uh, Ecuador had COVID to the point of you guys were transitioning into uh, into your home offices, your your new home offices, if you will.
2: Oh yeah, sure. Well, it it was it was very sudden, like for everyone else worldwide, I guess. Here in Ecuador, I believe I remember it was it was March the tenth mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we got the, the the warning, basically that something kind of weird was happened twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course we 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 had a meeting with with the other directors of the company and we said well what do we do uh, and we said you know for for the safety of everyone here we should go home so we closed the office on March uh, March the twelfth actually uh, on 2020 we sent everyone home with their laptops and with their computers and uh, the thing is that you know whenever you you practice what you what you talk about, mm-hmm. you should have been ready for this. So we already had like a, a pretty a pretty neat uh, network uh, infrastructure within our our offices. We already had a VPN uh, uh, with our offices and with uh, with most of our most important customers, like the day by day basis customers, um, because they needed support. the The difference was that you know we were used to get connected usually at night <laughs> and usually during the weekends but uh, it turns out to 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 become the everyday life basically that was that was the the main the main difference we were already using teams since uh, since uh, 2016 actually uh, so we were if you ask me i wasn't preparing for a pandemic actually in the in the in the in the in the uh, strategic planning of the company uh, when we were preparing that in 2017 mm-hmm. The, the subject that actually came out you know uh, should we consider a pandemic you know the, the, the assessment guy said and uh, and I remember the three of us the three partners we, we laughed and we said no, come on that's never going to happen
1: and and and,
2: uh, and then so we weren't preparing for that we were just preparing to serve our customers in the best way but the moment that the pandemic came everything worked perfectly so we switched in, in two days we were working actually the most the most problem uh, tr- troublesome, um uh, thing for us was was not the technical people you know because all the engineers were used to do whatever from wherever uh as, as you always say 60 hours a week probably with no chair with with no table with no water but um uh, but the issue was the the, the administrative people because they, they they were the ones that were used to uh, to be at the office and have everything you know in place that was the, the most challenging thing actually But it it took a while, like a a couple of weeks, but it it turned out well.
1: Francisco, I want to go back. um, Sorry to change trajectories a little bit. I like the story, but I I want to learn a little more about, you know, when you were getting started. And I think like this will help some of our viewers who are either looking to get into automation or perhaps like progress in their career uh, in manufacturing. But you said that you've learned a very specific skill, which was AutoCAD, right? And I think it's very important to recognize that, um, for example, for myself in engineering school, you're a lot you're taught a lot of, I would say, um, skills that are not necessarily practical from an employer standpoint. So I'm wondering, I guess, first of all, why did you what led you to choose AutoCAD specifically and what advice would you give in general, like engineers who are, again, maybe focusing a lot on the theoretical Um, I would say aspects of engineering, how to enter the field of automation, manufacturing in general, based on that like perspective.
2: Sure. Well, I think everyone's profile is very respectable. Let's start from that. So if someone is really theoretical and it's, you know, like really getting into all the math and all the physics of whatever we do in automation is also respectable because probably it's going to end up in, in a research and development and and discovering something, inventing something, so it's 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 pretty it's pretty good to have that also. But if you're, uh, we call it in Spanish something like uh, application engineering, what we do, you know. So I don't know if that 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 covers and yep. covers it in English. Um, and, and if you wanna if you wanna become like a, like an automation engineer, like like someone that does uh, the designing and 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 um, uh, you know programming and starting up and commissioning of, of control systems i would say it's, it's rather complicated nowadays <laughs> the you only can... advice i can say is keep learning i mean because you know we are uh, that kind of, of 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 field where you cannot stop with what they teach you in, in college basically because for, as you said they, they probably teach you i, I always liked when i hire someone i always like to one of the first questions that I do is, okay, how many brands of automation uh, devices, you know, and, and it's really worrying for me that, you know, in, in college, I mean, you can have all the theory, as you said, mm-hmm. but you have no clue of how to get that grounded to, to the practice and uh, some uh so so i always ask about that and uh, and i what i would i I always recommend to 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 whoever works with me um i always said you have to be ready to learn if you want to make if you want to do automation nowadays it's a really confusing profile because you have to be a really good uh, electronics engineer that's obvious, obviously the base but you also have to somehow be curious a lot uh, have a lot of curiosity about it you know like databases and uh, and uh, and uh, programming languages Uh, and you have you also have to have some interest in networking because you 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 won't get any machine or any sensor nowadays integrated if you don't if you if you don't uh, work with networking and uh, on top of that you have to be a people person (laughs) which is uh, one of the hardest things because uh, whenever you go to a, to a, to a, a plant, to a, a project, basically, um, you have to learn how to acquire the know-how and, uh, and that's uh, people skill. You know, you have to become the best friend with the operator, with probably with the, the production chief because those are the guys that know how, how it runs, not the manuals, not the procedures sometimes, if you really want to correct something, you have to go to the, to the root, uh, which is the people that are, that, that is actually uh, making the job and, and making things happen. And, and uh, so if you combine all those skills, uh, you will get uh, like a, a really good uh, controlled engineer, basically, especially because uh, the way the industry is going, uh, as, I, as, I, as we are speaking today, about DevOps and stuff are things that come from, from IT. Absolutely. It's not in our world, as we say. Uh, if you wanna stay and remain on the OT side, probably many of the skills, probably networking is needed, uh, but, uh, but probably the, the, the rest of what I have talk, talked about is not going to be required. But the problem is that you know uh, designing a, a, a control panels, Programming PLCs and that kind of stuff—at least in our market here in South America—it's for me it's already a commodity. Like Mm -hmm. probably ten years ago, uh, that made a difference because only few people knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, it's it's not a a, a value-added skill Mm -hmm. for a company because many people does that. Mm -hmm. What makes the difference is how you use that commodity in order to add value upstairs in the company, and and that forces. Uh, not only a, a person, but also the company uh, that, that that person works for to have this weird profile uh, between IT and OT. Being able, um, you know, the speech until two years ago, it was you should be able to communicate both worlds. You should talk the, the OT language and the IT language. Right. I would go a, a, a little bit further now, two or three years after that was the speech. I would say nowadays, okay, we a uh, our role is not to be interpreters it's not to be translators that's part of it nowadays we we have to work with uh, with uh, the best of both worlds the best from ot and bring it upstairs and the best from it and bring it downstairs and that's when uh, that's where everything actually collides that's when the, where the gap between the two worlds actually uh, disappears uh, if we take All the great influence from from the IT world because they have been uh, developing applications for as long as we have been doing control systems right so uh, something good they have to have on on their side and and that's you know when 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 you talk about waterfalls and you talk about agile uh, development and nowadays you you talk about uh, um, uh, um, devops uh, that's something that I believe, you know, that's my personal point of view. Uh, you, we should be able to take that and bring it downstairs so we can uh, use it to solve many, many, many issues that we have uh, and we have had for many years regarding the projects we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I, go ahead, Dave, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was, I was gonna say, absolutely. And um, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's always interesting how forward of a thinker you and the company are Francisco in relation to how you like to joke that you guys are, you know, behind what we're doing in, uh, in North America, but the idea of kind of blending that it and that OT and the finding the value at higher levels and how, even though much of the automation is newer in your, in parts of South America, that a lot of the PLC program in the other Uh, the other items like that are fairly commoditized, right? They're fairly stable. Lots of people can do them. And you continue to look to uh, to try to find value. Can you talk a little bit about some of those tools that you guys have either created or are potentially looking to implement to, to meld more of those IT strategies, more of those DevOps strategies into either ASE or into your customers? Sure. Well, well, it's kind of
2: hard to, to bring DevOps to the OT mm-hmm. floor nowadays because, because of the kind of industry we have, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the first thing that you, that you should have in order to be able to, to think about DevOps in, in, the, in the OT world is, is to have something that actually can work with DevOps, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because you know, if, if we start with the basic thing for us, the first step, which would be source control, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you should have something that, you know, some kind of platform to work with that allows that source to be controlled, <laughs> right? Yes. So it's a it's a pretty new concept in our industry, definitely. For example, I, I don't know of any other SCADA platform that actually allows to be source controlled, and I mean by standard tools, not mm-hmm. by something like build for, for it, yeah. you know? Um, uh, Than Ignition in that sense, and, and and I'm not talking like three or four versions ago. We're talking about the the, la- the latest release, the eight version of yep. Ignition is the first one that is actually prepared for us to be able to bring the DevOps algorithms down uh, uh, down in the OT floor. Why? Absolutely. Because it exposes all the uh, all the programming files basically to the to the system, right? To, to the file system of the operating uh, of the OS. Uh, so that allows um, for uh, you know uh, tools uh, as wide widely exp- spread in the in the IT world like GitHub or something like that to be able to be used as uh, as a tool for source control. So uh, what we we have been uh, uh, using for for some months already because it's brand new in, in, in the industry I believe um, the GitHub uh, concept for us for source control you know versioning. Uh, and only on the Scada floor, because uh, and only on the Scada, and only where where we use Ignition, because the platform allows you to use that kind of uh, that kind of uh, of tool. We have been using GitHub. We have been uh, we have we try we also try the Azure DevOps uh, <laughs> tools, which also has the, the Git repository. Uh, and and you know I, I believe any tool like uh, like has been thought to be um uh, able to deliver this kind of, uh, of, of, of of purpose should work with any platform in order for web, web uh, for DevOps to be uh, able to be delivered in, in the OT floor. A great a great dream that we have is that to having search control down to the PLCs, mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. because on the Scada on the SCADA floor is or in the SCADA level is where you nowadays with platforms such as ignition, you actually can have collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that's where also source control makes more sense. If you have have a platform where you kind of are able to collaborate because you have multi-user but not necessarily are working on the same project Mm -hmm. or you cannot handle versioning or that kind of stuff, it doesn't make much sense. But if you have a platform that actually allows you to implement a a source control tool, a a generic like widespread use, um, that's the best, thing that you can hope for because in that sense if, if, if that same platform allows you to have three four designers working on the same on, on the same uh, environment and deliver uh, all the changes that you need in a platform then it turns out to be agile right mm-hmm. uh, and 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 also uh, uh, to bring that on you know for all the testing and and simulating and then afterwards the deployment so but the main issue that I see on the ot floor, or for any uh, DevOps to be really widespread uh, solutions is that uh, the platforms are ready for it. So, and, and, and as I said, if I take it uh, down, even more downstairs to the PLC, yeah. man, that's a dream. Because yeah. what happens in the projects uh, uh, or, or what, what system integrators are forced to do, we have done so for years, is to teach everyone that comes and work for us how we program. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so you can kind of like, if you have a big project where you have uh, 7, 10, 20 PLCs, you know, if you start a, a program and, and you have to take some rest, you know, no, no one lasts a month working 60 hours a week with no table, no water in the heat, <laughs> right? Uh, so the, the only the only way that you can, can have like shifts, you know, between the, the programmers is that you program the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's the only tool we have had for years, right? And um, uh, I'm not gonna say that it's the worst thing because it also has uh, forced us as integrators to create a culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where we all kind of like program alike and, and, and also uh, involves teamwork on that. But if on top of that culture, in, in, on top of that in between the PLCs, you can be sure You know because you have source control of what you are doing as an integrator man that's a really useful tool
1: yeah and it's uh i mean i think we all have stories where it's like multiple shifts and you have to send you know the programmer on second shift your latest program and then they have to hopefully get the right version work off that on the plc because i think tools have certainly improved as you said and I think we're headed in that direction, but there's still um, a couple of roadblocks, like on the PLCs, HMIs, uh, to make it, I would say, more open and available, right?
2: Definitely. I think every everyone that's watching and probably, the three of us, I, I, I'm i pretty sure that you have had like a like a version of the program that says final PLC, right? And then-, and then Final I, V2. You scroll V2, down V2. on the, on the folder, you go to the final, V2, final. Two, final. Yeah. And the really final, yeah. uh, yep. you know, so it, it, it's nonsense. Uh, final some, and file uh,
0: underscore and you know all of those good things.
2: Exactly, exactly. And uh, but 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 one of the the roadblocks there uh, is the kind of industry we have mm-hmm. because uh, we would have to have some sort of standard, you know, for a tool to be generic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on the PLC side, I, I mean, and and that's that's a really uh, I think. The biggest challenge if someone wants to develop that kind of tools.
1: Well, let me ask you this then, because this is, um, I actually wanted to ask this question on the previous podcast because I think it's very relevant. But where do you see, let's say, the current PLC and HMI ecosystem heading, right? Because currently you have vendors that have developed their own software, their own hardware. It's highly proprietary. But you can also go in a different direction where you would have more of a let's say, Linux-based, you would just deploy an industrial computer, you know, throw that in your panel, and that would, again, serve up your ignition screen, serve up, like, you can technically run, like, a factory talk view AC, you know, like, local application. Like, do you see maybe the hardware and software headed more, like, that way, where it's more open source, more, again, because I think it provides multiple benefits, right? Like, not just being more open, but also... People from the IT side, and I'm talking more, let's say, software engineers, would have a much easier time going into those platforms versus, you know, the more proprietary uh, PLCs that are programmed. And again, there's certainly workarounds and there's text-based languages that are closer to that. But those platforms can be programmed in Python and Java and so forth. Like, what are your thoughts on, again, this could be five, ten years down the road. Like, how do you see... Uh, that like PLC, HMI, like plant floor ecosystem changing
2: that's a very tough question i i wish you would have done it in last post cut so <laughs> so so i could see what 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 the other guy said and in well i, the I round, mean right? i uh, i can give like
1: my quick two cents you know i really think that you know open source projects are going to get bigger and bigger just like they've done in in software right like that's why let's say linux and all the platforms like ubuntu built on top of it are gaining a lot of tractions in the software industry, right? And so I think manufacturing is going to kind of follow that. But at the same time, you know, to play maybe devil's advocate, I know that there's a lot of reliability concerns when it comes to open source projects, right? So as soon as you, for example, on, let's say, Rockwell, you can program only with a very standard set of rules and if you go into a linux based platform well you can start introducing all sorts of libraries and things can i would say break or become unreliable really quickly so it's hard for me to say like exactly what's going to happen but i think we will see more let's say especially on the data application side more like pc like linux open source based uh, controls but i don't know if like you know in mission critical applications they they're, they're going to be used anytime soon
2: I'm gonna tell you what I, the two scenarios that I see. Uh, I, the first one is I, what I would like to happen, and the second is what I believe it's going to happen. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> what I would like it, what I would like to happen, is basically um, that uh, we end up with uh, open standards, probably not not open open source, right? Uh, but with open standards, in order to be able to uh, deliver solutions um, that allow the control systems industry to open up to the rest of the of the technology available across a company, right? That comes, uh, as you said, from the PLC side. You know, probably w- w- I don't know. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be really daring in in in, in this. I think, but I don't know how, for how long. We talked with Dave uh, these once, I believe, and, and we agree like probably in five, 10 years, probably we won't be talking about PLCs anymore. Mm-hmm. Probably we will be talking about edge
1: nodes, right? Edge nodes edge. and uh, I guess the cloud controlling everything, right? Exactly.
2: Edge nodes with, with IO, basically. Yep. Uh, and uh, because in that sense, uh, we could remain uh, having reliable control, right? Uh, but also all the all the benefits of being able to deliver data as the company requires mm-hmm. so in the, on, on the plc side uh, i that's what i see probably uh, plc is going to be replaced probably the term i don't know and and on, on software level uh, then uh, then again uh, because of rel- reliability and, and everything and everything else i don't see like like open source but i do see uh, uh interoperable platforms that allow you to, to uh, really deliver projects that democratize data across the company. What I mean is, for example, if you need to, to go to the ERP level, like, like SAP, right? That's one of the biggest things that you, that you hear or one of the biggest obstacles, not only from the, from the OT side, uh, also from the IT side because development like like configure configuring and, and developing the middleware for on, on the on the on the ERP side it's really really expensive right but if you get uh, a, a software that, that's able to interact in a certified way right with the with the inner functions of the ERP then you can actually join both worlds with no problem right so that's how i would like it to happen you know i think that these kind of platforms are going to uh, be uh, are going to be uh, developed and 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 that's the structure they they will have but these kind of platforms are going to be delivered to the customers and to the companies that actually go uh, into digital transformation and into uh data-driven initiatives right uh, that that takes me to the other to the other uh scenario because you also have as you said being the devil's advocate you have mm, too many infrastructure already uh, installed mm. right so migrating the, uh, that kind of platforms like traditional to or or vintage to call them somehow right it's going to take a lot of investment so mm. Probably the, the companies that have invested in, in that kind of, uh, of infrastructure are, uh, are going to be kind of like uh, a little bit truncated, the, 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 the digital transformation initiatives, uh, but they will be okay with it because, or uh, forced to be okay with it, because unfortunately to change that will probably require too much of an investment and, and too much of, um, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, um, of willing <laughs> uh, uh, to 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 change so probably both are going to from 5 to 10 years from now both schemas are going to to uh, remain but i think that you know new inv- new plans new investments and, mm-hmm. and new and companies with 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 vision in the future and how they want to take um, take a return of investment on whatever they do on the on the OT floor are going to go with with these open standards? Probably not not open source code, but yes, open standards platforms that allow them to um, do things on the OT floor and also accomplish all the all the neat dreams on the on the IT side and on the production side, on quality assurance, and, and things that doesn't uh, uh, restrain anything, right?
1: Yeah, I yeah. think that make, makes sense. I like uh, your two perspectives a lot. Dave, what are your, what are your thoughts on that uh, on that point?
0: I, I think I'm going to echo uh, many of Francisco's thoughts. So you guys can probably tell that he and I spend a lot of time talking. Uh, but no, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to echo many of, of his thoughts, maybe more on like the, the devil's advocate, advocate side. I think that there are, will certainly be opportunities. I think that we are seeing a lot of upgrade cycles, especially for PLC5s that are now like 30 years too old to to be running much of these. But I think we're seeing upgrade cycles. And I would almost wonder if with all the supply chain issues that we're finding, it will not allow us to kind of jump from PLC upgraded to another PLC to, you know, maybe it's an edge controller. And I guess in my mind, I very much think of PLCs as edge controlling, right? So in, in my mind, much of it is we've had controllers at the edge at the machine level for the entirety, or since you know 1970, so I think that there will absolutely be a lot of opportunities to potentially look at some of that. I think we might see more, you know, uh, Linux or or, or Codasys or other almost uh, PC-based. Uh, programming uh, or control platforms. I think there are a lot of those that that are coming out, including some of the some of the folks that have been on our show um, in earlier episodes. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that. But I I think I am more hopeful in the next five to ten years for like an open standards, like like Francisco is talking about. Uh, so earlier this year, uh, the, the folks over in Europe were talking about MTP, so module type package, which is kind of that theoretical standards and the ability to go and say, hey, I want this from ABB and I want this from Festo and I want this from Rockwell. And if something breaks, it's built to a standard to be able to you know pull one out and replace it with something else. Um at least that's the theory. I don't know how far they have gotten into like the the overall agreements of that, or if we have a working model of this is how it's actually going to work. But for me, that kind of brings hope to more open standards. And if we do a better job standardizing on how we build things, much to Francisco's earlier points, it will kind of alleviate some of that strain of, it'll kind of alleviate some of that strain of, hey, I went to school and I know one controller, when it's like, you really need to know four or five controllers to be successful. If we can build two standards, then it should be easier to get more people into the industry, uh, which is absolutely an issue that we find up here in North America. I, I guess I guess that kind of brings up a question to you, Francisco. Do you guys find issue uh, or is it difficult to find people who are willing and or capable Uh, to go work in controls or to go work in factories um, in South America and Ecuador? Uh, It's not a problem to find people that
2: want to work in factories. Mm -hmm. The real problem is to find people that can work in factories (laughs) and actually deliver, right? Um, Because, you know, uh, I've I've always said uh, that the integration business, it's actually a labor of love. (laughs) <laughs> right uh, because uh, you really have to be passionate about what you do it really has to uh move you right um because it's really uh, it's it's really a hard business to be in mm-hmm. because of the scheduling because of uh uh, because of the, 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 working situations, you know, within a plant and stuff. So, uh, it's not that hard to find it as, as I said, but, uh, it's, um, it's really hard uh, to find people that, um, uh, that lasts in the, in the, in the job. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's really bad for integration business at, at this point, because I don't know if that happens in, in North America, but here in the, in, in South America, what happens is that, uh, you don't have, any working uh, engineers like out there, ready mm-hmm. to be productive from minute one. You always have to do training, right? Uh, and, and you have to do a lot of training. Usually for us, for example, uh, we hire, we, we are used just in very seldom situations. We have hired like people with experience. We rather hire uh, people right from college mm-hmm. because it, uh, we even changed the, the, the mission of our company. To uh, you know, uh, to uh, create uh, human resources, you know, like human talent, uh, in order to deliver good projects. That, that's, a, that's why is that why
1: why don't you like uh, you know experienced you know, because, professionals?
2: Yeah, uh, no, no. I mean, because usually, uh, what uh, uh, what any integrator has on their mission is, I want to deliver the best systems ever, right, <laughs> or something like that. In a, in our case, our mission is to create the people uh, able to deliver that those kind of systems because as i said you know usually when you hire uh, uh, whether it's some someone uh, recently graduated or you fi- or you hire someone with uh, some years of experience in the in the in the control business uh, they will they will know exactly what a control engineer is expected to do the problem is that our industry requires much more sk- many more skills than that nowadays So uh, from the day one, when I hire someone, probably it's going to become productive. uh, I expect in in five to six months uh, time-lapse, right? Uh, Because why? Because you have to start with, well, first, on the products, the control products you you, you use as an integrator, whether you're in Siemens, in Rockwell, in Schneider, or whatever you use, um, you, uh, you know, you have to give training on that. And second, Uh, If you're uh, an integrator that wants to fill the gap between IT and OT, you have to start with a lot of training on databases on networking uh, and uh, and, and from the basic concepts, because unfortunately you cannot ask uh, controls professional to know that. That's not part of our profile. Nevertheless, it's something that's needed, right?
0: yeah
1: what are your thoughts like to to that point i i I like the way like you you phrased it right so coming back to and again we've asked this question several times and i'm still trying to like figure out the answer but going from software engineering right someone who really knows software well and making them your like data or automation expert and again maybe the gaps will be different but perhaps i think now as you've Kind of mentioned it, there's not as much need for them to know the hardware and they do have like the software components, right? Someone who comes again with software engineering would probably know databases, would know all the DevOps tools, would know, um, you know, again, like you're not going to have to teach them Python, Java, uh, C, C, whatever. Like, what are your thoughts on that versus like taking an electrical engineer?
2: Okay, I'm gonna tell you. uh, I'm gonna tell you a story, (laughs) rather than answering the question. I like that. I like that. Uh, We have, you know, we have been in the market for seventeen years, and uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but whenever we have done the the experiment of hiring IT people to do OT, like control systems uh, work with the training in the middle and everything, it doesn't turn out as well as if you take someone from, uh, like, an electronic engineer. And take it and take him to the to the IT level. Why? Because uh, I think um, part of the of the of the automation uh, engineer or the controls engineer, whether you want it, you like it or not, uh, it, it has to do with programming. So you have you have some sort of of uh, programming levels, right, uh, and programming skills. Uh, the, the problem with the, with people that comes from the IT world is that you don't have all the all the electronics and all you know like electricity and all the mechanical design uh, background. And it's harder to 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 pick on, on on those skills or teach those skills to someone that comes from IT than teaching IT to someone that already has all the physical, mechanicals, all the process know-how. Uh, so we have discovered that it's easier because we have tried it <laughs> both ways, like hiring people from IT and hiring people from OT. Uh, I'm not going to generalize, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to say it's impossible because it, it's not like that, but it's easier for a, uh, from our exp- experience for a controls engineer to go to take the step up to, to learn all the IT uh, world things than the opposite at least that's that's uh, that's uh, my experience on that
1: gotcha that,
0: that is that is amazing and uh to take a pause i'm going to ask vlad to give me the awkward laugh he gives before i get before i do every ad read so vlad <laughs> if you can give us the sound effect thank you now now francisco th- this may or may not solve a problem that you were talking about earlier um of our sponsor and i promise that we did not set this up Uh, But uh, we, we can give you some more information when we get off the show. So this episode and the theme is brought to us by Copia Automation, and they deliver modern developer tools for industrial automation. So it's built for automation and controls engineers. And Copia's flagship offering provides Git-based source control for PLC programming. Uh, If you guys are wondering, they're currently on the Rockwell, Allen Bradley, the Siemens, and the CODASYS platforms. So functionality includes version control, change visibility, and the collaborative design, again, as Francisco was talking about, to streamline how industrial machines are commissioned and operated, resulting in much faster delivery and maximized uptime um and if you guys are interesting they are offering a free trial and if you guys check the comments or if you're listening via podcast you guys can check the show notes you guys can go ahead and click through there if they ask let them know that uh, the dave and vlad sent you and uh and again thank you to uh Decope automation for continuing to uh to support the show
1: absolutely thanks dave
0: no oh, perfect and so I think that you bring up many good points, Francisco. And so for everyone that doesn't know Francisco, and I normally spend the first 90 minutes of our 60 minute conversation talking about things that aren't work. And then we remember that we are getting close on time. But as we are getting close on time, I do have a couple of questions. I actually have three questions to, uh, to ask you. Now, for everyone that doesn't know, Francisco has something in common with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, uh, and so, so Francisco has for five out of the last six years, been a finalist, but not a winner, uh, for the ICC, the ignition community conference discover gallery, which is, which is the award show Francisco as Vlad and I don't have anything in common with Leo, can you tell us what that feels like? Um, well.
2: It doesn't feel right, <laughs> but on the other hand, we're, we're, we're turning it around and saying, yeah, you know, like being there once, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, being, being there twice is great, mm-hmm. but being five times, it, the only thing that proves is that we deliver every time, right? Oh, absolutely. So, so it, it's, it's harder to remain than together, they say, right? At least in Spanish, we have a saying
0: that that's something like that. Uh, so- no, no. I, I would say that it's it's very impressive the fact that you guys have done it so many times in five out of six years. You can t- you continue to deliver deliver high value projects to your end users. Um, I, I think is, is is nothing short of I think it's nothing short of amazing. Yeah, and the, and the great thing,
2: and, and I'm really proud of the of, of the team that I have, mm-hmm. is that we have been on the on, on these kind of uh, uh, awards. Since 2016, basically, and the good thing is that every time is a different member of the staff. You know, it's not like we have like only one enge- one good engineer to tell you to, to to say it somehow. But it's rather every time one of the guys and one of the or one of the uh, engineers surprises, and we are we are very very proud of actually three things. Uh, first, the first one is that we remain on the on the, um, on the the list every year, which is really good. The second is that we're really proud that we are one of the few uh, companies from South America and Latin America in general that have been on, the, on that list. Uh, and third is that uh, we are really proud also that uh, I think two or three years out of the five that we have been are projects that were uh, uh, coordinated and, and, and senior engineered by women. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I, I was checking the other day some webinar about women in automation, mm-hmm. and, and it was mostly uh, people in the sales area. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also many, many women uh, involved in the, in the operational uh, technology on, on the development that it's, it's really something that we are really happy
0: about. Oh, Absolutely. And so j- just a little shout out to ASC. I know Francisco and I have talked. He says that half of his engineering staff are are, are men and the other half are women, uh, which is, as he and I have talked about, significantly higher percentages. The even percentage is nearly unheard of um, for most companies or every company that I know. It's in, uh, it's North on America.
2: the on the coordinating floor uh, uh, of the company. On the execution, we're working on that. We're we are about one third, but we're, okay. we're 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 permanently working on that.
0: No, I, I, absolutely. I think it's. I think it's amazing that you guys have found uh, you, such a diverse group who have come together who continue to uh, deliver the, the high value projects that you guys continue to, we'll call it win awards or come very close to, to winning the
2: whole thing. <laughs> to almost um, win an award. <laughs> to
0: to al- almost win. I, I keep saying, I, I think that we should, uh, we should start a, a, a petition that francisco and asc either get some sort of lifetime achievement award next year or we named the, the runner-up the, the uh we named the runner-up for francisco so like the francisco carrion uh almost we almost made it better luck next year discovery <laughs> gallery <laughs> finalist award. It, it's a little long but i think it'll get the i think it'll get the point across yeah. but now let's go oh, speakers It um, get catch Absolutely, but uh, as as that came out yesterday, absolutely want to uh, to wish a congratulations to the whole team. A couple of uh, or wrap up questions that we ask everyone, Francisco. I like to call this the not sponsored Audible segment. Is where we go and ask if you have a good book or a good document that uh, that you would suggest everyone uh, everyone reads. Sure. Well, I
2: I I I don't have a book that I would like to recommend but rather something that I, every time that I hire someone in the, in, in the company, or if I talk to someone that really wants to easily understand, because you know, the, the IIoT terms, mm-hmm. industry for, uh, digital transformation, my God, everyone uses it <laughs> nowadays. And it's, you know, it drives me crazy because half of them have no idea what exactly it, it, it actually is. Uh, means right yep. so uh, whenever I, I i hire someone i recommend a, a conference from andy stanford clark mm-hmm. uh which took place right after the icc i think it was two or three years ago mm-hmm. um it wasn't like a technical um approach because it wasn't within the icc it was just a conference for the people in Folsom, which is the city where inductive automation is i had the luck to be there uh and uh, and it really uh I think it's it, it it's invaluable, you know, because he he uh, he makes a really fun, uh, entertaining hour about talking about really nerdy I I O T things, <laughs> okay. and uh, and make them really um, really easy to understand for everyone. So. Uh, um, uh, it, it's online on, on Inductive Automation's website. I think just to confirm, it's
1: Andy Stanford Clark, right? The CTO for IBM UK. Um, IBM, yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. so, I got you. So he
0: is the he is the co-inventor of of MQTT. Of MQTT, yeah.
2: So and and so I I rather recommend that rather than a book, it, it's going to take only one hour of of anyone lives, anyone's life, I mean, and and uh, you will come out with either with smile uh or I'm a smile and a bit more of knowledge about iot i
0: love that and so I, I dropped that in the the linkedin chat um maybe i tried to drop it in the linkedin chat i don't i know. dropped it there as well okay well it, it's not letting me post on my own post so um <laughs> so vlad has dropped it there and we will absolutely keep that in the show notes no i, I appreciate that francisco I think everyone who has seen that uh, also absolutely ap- appreciate uh, Andy's talk. And then the, the last question I have you I have for you is is who should reach out to you guys? I imagine everyone in South America looking for some sort of automation project. But uh, but but who beyond that? Who should reach out to uh, to you guys at ASC?
2: Uh, well, basically, the, the easy answer to that is everyone. I mean,
0: <laughs> uh, we we work
2: with, of course, end customers. We work also with with other system integrators that need uh, uh, somehow uh, our knowledge on on, on their side. Uh, we we believe a lot on on community on community, basically, uh, because no one knows it all, so. Uh, If there's a project that requires our services, whether it's an end customer, whether it's another system integrator, we are always happy to help. Uh, On the other hand, if someone wants to learn Ignition, for example, we are a a premier integrator. Um, We are are also an integrator for Rockwell Automation, for Wonderware, and for Siemens, uh, the three of them in the the top categories uh, that each brand manages. Um, But we are also a CTC, a certified training center for Ignition. So if anyone want, has the need to learn um, the software, uh, the only catch is that the, we are the only CPC in the world that's allowed at the moment, or not allowed, that at the moment are teaching Ignition in Español. <laughs> so that's the only catch. If you wanna learn Ignition in Spanish, contact us. With, uh, with the pandemic, we are doing it remotely uh so that was going to be my have... question
1: so like there's yeah. an opportunity to learn it remotely that's awesome sure. you,
2: you you don't even have to come to ecuador we used to have like many people like before the pandemic come here learn ignition and go to the galapagos islands uh which was a, a pretty neat uh, thing to do but nowadays we can do it remotely and um and uh, so Anyone can reach us. We are always happy to help. We are always uh, uh, happy to have this kind of chat with with, with anyone that needs to share some uh, some experiences or or wants uh, uh, our experiences to be shared. So,
1: no, awesome! Perfect. Thank you so much, Francisco. Really appreciate your time.
0: Yes, thank thank you so much. Uh,
1: go ahead. Dave, no, thank go you ahead. for having
0: me. Thank you. No, no, perfect. No, I was gonna say uh, thank thank you to Francisco. Thank you for everyone um, who thank you for everyone for listening. As again, if you guys are listening to us on the podcast or anywhere else, please remember to hit that like button and give us five stars on Apple podcasts. Cause that apparently, uh, that apparently, uh, matters, but subscribe to the channel. We will have, uh, we'll have new episodes coming out every Thursday and we will be live here every Wednesday. Thank you to Francisco. Thank you to everyone else. And until next week, we'll see you guys soon. Thank Bye-bye. you everyone. Thank you.
1: Take care. Have a great one.